Welcome to the 3D3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. All right, so we left off at the end of the last episode. My question. My question was, if you were creating a team, if you were drafting a team, and Patrick, you already said that you, you do this, what position, not player, but what position would you start with and why? I'm, I'm going to sit back and let Mr. Clark go first. Ah, excellent. Okay. Um, I'm, uh, I'm picking a rover. Okay. No, no joke, because um, three and two, as far as skaters are concerned, is pretty adequated. And if I have the chance to start from scratch, I want what I would consider a true 200-foot player and having a person that can skate in all facets of the game. Uh, so imagine taking 14, 15-year-old Connor McDavid and actually playing him in defense on, let's say, uh, penalty kill situations from time to time. And then when the player is released from the box, immediately have him shift up, you know, into an attack position. Um, so basically so, what centers used to be about 20 years ago? Yes, but not necessarily confined to uh, within all the face-off dots and then certain areas behind the goal, depending upon the coach. I'd, I'd rather have a true rover who can play in all areas of the ice. Um, that gives me a way to let let me play them or condition them to play 24, 25 minutes a night routinely. Okay. I like it. So now we just have to convince NHL coaches to start doing that, and then they'll start doing that in the juniors, and, you know, it'll trickle down. Oh, did I mention <laughs> I'm also coaching, so I'm going to be lambasted by Canadian media while doing this? Oh, so well, you're going to you be the coach, hey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah hey, bud. So are you going to go, Bob, are you going to go Cooperisms, Babcockisms, or, or um, uh, Tortorellaisms? Oof. I, I'm somewhere in between Cooper and Torts. Okay. I do I do not read enough uh leadership books to go full Babcock. Um don't ever go full Babcock. Never. <laughs> no one ever goes full Babcock. You should never oh, go full Babcock. Never go full Babcock. Um I do not have a law degree, so I can't go full Cooper. You don't um, want to go full Cooper. And, but I played a little cross in my time, so I can take a little of him, and I look okay in a sweater, so I can I can take a little from trot or uh, from torts. Uh, so. uh, do you look good in a hoodie though, too? I do. Okay, so you there we go. you saw my face. Anything that covers it is a, is an improvement. <laughs> well, uh, you only cover your face in a hoodie if you're wearing the hoodie backwards. And as far as I remember, crisscross is no longer, you know, a popular rap group that does that anymore. Hmm. And I just completely aged out myself, didn't I? Yes, I did. <laughs> so where where was I? Uh, Vancouver? No, 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 it was after Vancouver. I was with my kids. Uh, Raleigh, Durham? I, I want to say Monday, Tuesday. Was, I was dropping my son off at camp, and he was in this basically a gymnastics meets American Ninja Warrior class. 
And sure enough, they were playing crisscross. And I just look at every kid and then I, 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 every employee. And if I were to start singing, you know, the introduction that no one ever really heard on radio, would anyone know what I was talking about? No. And I came to the conclusion, no. So I kept it to myself (laughs) and wondered, does anyone know a song other than Jump Jump? Probably not. Mm. Crisscross makes me want to jump. <laughs> I'm I'm doing this. I don't know why I'm doing this. Okay, so I guess it's my turn to answer. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and I, I wanted to do it sort of like a, a like a SpongeBob SquarePants opening, but I can't I can't do it off the top of my head that fast in real time right now. Um, who's the only person that plays the entire game? Goalies. Who's on the ice? Thank you. That's where I start. That's where I start too. Why do you start there? You find me a, find me a goaltending tandem. Because I think that's where the league is going. I think you're starting to. I think you're going to start seeing more of. We don't have one guy. You know, the one guy we paid nine and ten million dollars to start sixty games. You're going to start seeing a little bit more of of load management, for lack of a better term. Where you've got two guys that that maybe go fifty and thirty, or somewhere in there, and you start with them and then build your way out. Because they're the hardest, there's the the fewest number of them, and finding good ones is the hardest thing to do. The, the last two points you made are my reasons. Is that how many elite goaltenders are there in the NHL, and how many and how many teams are dying to like get their greedy little hands on them? Everybody else. <laughs> yeah, 20, at least twenty eight teams are trying to get their hands on a quote unquote elite goaltender. Right. But, so like you it, said, there's the, the there's a really limited number of them. There's only so many that that can take the responsibility of even fifty games, you know. And if you can if you have to settle and get pretty good goaltending, then you can um pardon the uh, siren in the background. Uh, it's- it's the hot take, please. <laughs> it's the hot take. Woo! Um, but if you happen to have to settle for a pretty good goaltending, then your next step is to get really good defense. So build out, like you said. And you have to, if you don't, if you don't, and I'm, I'm, I'm so this is where we're going to go full VS between Pat and I. Um, if, if you don't have guys that can constrain your shots, constrain the location of shots in your own zone, you can't you can't run one pair out there for 30, 40 minutes a night for 82 games because you're going to end up like, oh, San Jose, where they're completely burnt out. You got nothing. So... It's to me, it's always easier to go. And I hate saying this to me. It's always easier to go with the Florida Panther expansion model. Not saying full trap, but find yourself a goaltender and build out. But I would not, you know, my next pick would probably be somewhere in the Rover line, though, because I I fully 100 percent agree that I liked it better in the old days when centers were a little bit more freewheeling. Than well, they yeah, are I mean, constrained to the lanes they are now. 
I mean, even even back in the day, centers they would play the full 200 feet, but they really did stick to the middle of the ice, uh, you know, lengthwise. With a rover, I mean, Cooper kind of, speaking of John Cooper, he kind of introduced the concept to the NHL of having forward pairs with a, a switchable third guy, whether that was the center or that was a wing, and usually it was a wing. And so um, he... He, the third guy isn't actually a rover. He's just a um, who are we going to put with these two kind of thing. But you could easily put that third guy as a rover. You could have the center and his winger and then a rover and then two defensemen and then your goaltender. And I think that would work really well. Um, there are a lot of quote-unquote offensive defensemen that would fit that role very well that um, maybe don't you you would never you would never ever consider to put them on the penalty kill because that would be a disaster but they're always they're always on the power play and they kind of do that rover thing on the power play a little bit so you know they they would be the guys that you would move forward and back and they would also be the guys that now that and Cooper also kind of introduced this, the whole concept of quote-unquote balanced defense, where you have a right-handed defenseman with a left-handed defenseman. And don't even get me started on that. So he babcocked. <sighs> he popularized it because, you know, Babcock was doing it, but, but Cooper started, he was a new coach, he was instantly successful, and everybody latched onto that. And so now this this season in particular, you're starting to see at the end of this season with the trades and the and the drafting, you're starting to see how coaches are really and GMs are really wanting to have that right-handed defenseman with a left-handed defenseman, which is kind of dumb, frankly, because there are so few right-handed defensemen that you're instantly going to have a weak side. But regardless, you can keep the 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 more offensive-minded or less defensive-minded, if you rather, defensemen in the game by making them a rover and putting them up on that wing, and they can go back and forth. So John Cooper is Apple in this scenario. Went the first to come out with a with a sort of all-in-one phone, but they just popularized it. Yes. Okay. So or sure he, had, he was the first person to have the essential personnel, basically, three right-handed defensemen he'll play unlike Babcock. Yeah. Well, Babcock's was entire Babcock was almost entirely left-handed. I think he only had one righty for most of his time in Detroit. But the thing with, with having that, like, I I mean, and I saw this with Tampa and it was just like, it just made me want to like scream because it was the most ridiculous thing. Your best right-handed defenseman often is not going to be a top guy. He's going to be a four, five, or six guy, maybe seven. And so you're putting a guy who should be on the second or third pair with your top guy, and their skills may not mesh. And so you're instantly giving the opposing team's forwards a weak side to go down and score on. The Eric Carlson effect. Or or the um, Brett Schuster effect. effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I say that because I I um I get to I have a lot of sharks friends and watching them bemoan finding 
the Burns Whisperer. Mm-hmm. The guy that can play with Brent Burns and not let, you know, Brent Burns being ostensibly a rover, you know, let's call him what he is, right? Get in the way of, you know, or, or creating those two-on-ones or those three-on-ones going the other way because Brent Burns is 200 feet from his own net standing behind the other net going, oh, crap, I gave up the puck because well, he's got that mentality. To be fair, Brent Burns was was drafted. He was a defenseman, and then Minnesota turned him into a forward, and then he was traded to San Jose where he went back to defense. Wasn't, so, wasn't it the other way around? Um, I thought it was the other way around. Uh, hang on. I thought he was drafted as a forward, converted to D I'm in Iowa by McClellan. Sure. But by the time he went up to Minnesota, they went, they wanted him up front. And I think that's why they eventually traded him in the. I yeah, I, I, I think was, that's the okay. breakdown. Okay, so again, this magical repository of information that we're talking on actually has like other information. He was drafted as a right wing, and he was, was converted. He? Yes, he was converted to defense in Iowa, um, I believe when McClellan was down there coaching him. No, it was it was Houston at that point in time. They weren't Iowa. Because I have, I, I, I am also on this magical device. Oh, yes, yes, you're right. Yes, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I keep forgetting. Yes, yeah, because they switch things around. They switch the AHL. Okay, anyway, before we get bogged down in the... Minutia, get it? Minnesota Minutia. Uh, uh, you like that? That is a complete ripoff from the NHL to Seattle podcast, which I have no problem taking. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the hosts on there always brings up Minnesota stuff because I believe he's from there, and and so they always they always rag on him a little bit, and they call it Minutia. So mm. I thought it was kind of I thought it was entertaining. Mm. And now I'll bring the show back. Um, I uh, I personally love everything that Vegas did. People were so thoroughly flummoxed as to how Vegas was that good. Well, they found themselves a very good goaltender and drafted a bunch of three, four defense pairs and middle six um, forwards. And the thing you do when you do there is you cut that talent gap between your top six and your so-called bottom six down. There's no fall off. Mm-hmm. Right? You've, you've, got a, you've got, you know, Crosby and Malkin are your, you know, sort of on your top two lines. And then there's a talent fall off. Vegas didn't have that fall-off, so their third and fourth lines were effectively someone else's second and third lines. So it, it, it sort of the whole team was, and I hate saying the word because it it's, it's almost sounds demeaning, but the whole team was average from top to bottom, not great and below average, if that makes any sense. No, it makes complete sense. It's... They had no weak points, and they never had to disrupt time on ice from people to get their, quote-unquote, top lines playing. 
Yeah. So all their players stayed in a rhythm, and that's why they had a pretty good balanced scoring attack. Um, and we saw in the playoffs, just like every other team, because they were made up of middle six guys, I mean, there was no one player outside of Flurry really carrying the load. Yeah, and even Yuri shut down. And you also exactly. didn't have you also didn't have egos competing with each other either about ice time and um, where they were playing and all of that because you know they were all middle of the road players. So they're used to being put in places that maybe they don't agree with, but you know what? That's their job, so they'll do it. Yeah, I mean, you had guys that that would bounce between top line and second line and third and fourth line. So maybe they were a little used to that that ping pong role, but by and large, their team was, you know, I I will freely admit I did not have them getting anywhere near what they did in their first season, but I sure as hell had them banging on the playoff door, if not guaranteed making the playoffs. Now, what they did was beyond what I had, but anybody that said they were going to be the worst team in the league was simply not watching who they drafted. Well, I mean, if you if you look at like a lot of not just hockey, but sports in general, if you look at a lot of um, championship teams, you'll you'll find that there aren't a lot of big name stars on them. You'll have one, maybe two, but that's it. No, they're all kind of middle of the road players. It's when you I mean, like all star teams like, you know, U.S. Men's World Cup team or something like that, that they don't necessarily perform up to expectation because you have a whole bunch of all-stars on the same team and they're all waiting for each other or someone else to get things started. (laughs) Should this be, should we put an asterisk on your statement and call it in the cap world? Because I'm sitting, I'm kind of chortling thinking back as I'm looking at my 1995, um, 96 season Stanley cup photo going stars, huh? (laughs) Looking at the Colorado Avalanche and then thinking about those Detroit Red Wings teams. Well, I think think in the cap world, yes. Well, I mean, with Colorado, though, there was a bit of spitefulness going on there. Well, (laughs) That's kind of what carried them. (laughs) I think we've delved into that before, but... Yeah. What what did you say, Pat? Would you take that same team in today's era, forget about the cap for a minute, but playing a pure speed game. I'm not sure that could still exist. The all-star team. Um, I I think that the all-star defenseman would be in good shape. I don't think the forwards would produce quite as well where you had your second and third lines where I'm trying to think. Was Mike Keane on that team? Mike Keane was on the 95-96 team. He was part of the watch, right? Okay, good. Um, like like a player like him who contributes, and he, you know, he was kind of way over the hill when he ended up winning with Dallas in '99. But would he make the same contributions, you know, in a speed game? And I'm kind of skeptical. I I still expect Sackick's output to be phenomenal. Forsberg, I'd be curious to see what type of player he would evolve into i think he would have been fine because he grew up on bigger ice yeah and i think he is very similar to the uh connor mcdavid discussion i think we had a few episodes ago where it's just we know he's going to be good he's just gonna be good in a different way and i think forsberg was very much 
that type of player. Um, Forsberg, a lot of people don't give him credit. Forsberg was pretty freaking fast. He was. Yeah. He got. Wheels. Yeah, he got caught in an era where he got to leverage his other great attribute, which is his nasty physicality. Yeah. So while he wasn't able to use his speed as much, he also had the tools to play in that era. I think this is a discussion we could go on for ad nauseum. Those players that can play in any era, he would be one of them. Mm-hmm. He's, he's nasty enough to play back when Howe was there. He's fast enough and, and skilled enough to play in that, in that 80s era. He's obviously strong enough to play in the suck down, you know, quote unquote, dead puck era. And I think he's got all the right skill and speed to play in today's era. I agree. I, that, that guy was, oh my God. You know, as much as a, a Gretzky fanboy as I am, if you ask me who my all time favorite players were, it'd be Forsberg, Fedorov, and Gretzky. Forsberg and Fedorov for me. Definitely. Yeah, Forsberg's probably top three players. So, and and I'll pretend you didn't uh, bring up Gretzky, so we'll just move on. We can <laughs> certainly That's we can gloss over we'll, that. We'll, but we'll, we'll at, save it for another episode. We'll, we'll save it. We'll roster. Save Sorry, I'm looking at the roster for the '96 Colorado team, and I think I think about half the forwards could play now. And maybe two defensemen. <laughs> so, Wait, That's all right. It. So, the two defensemen. Ooh. Uve Krupp. Okay. I think Uve Krupp could have done it. Um. I I assume foot's a no. <laughs> no. A cement foot, as we like to call him. Slow foot. Um, you didn't want to get anywhere near him, but if you could stay away from him, you were fine. Yeah. And, oh, maybe, maybe, I'm, I'm stuck between Ozelinch, LeCision, and Lefebvre, and Lefebvre. Oh, Ozelinch, easy, because Ozelinch. Yeah, see, I, I kept wanting you to say Ozelinch, but I couldn't remember how old he was yeah. at that. Ozelinch was just a precursor to what Eric Carlson is, right? He's the guy that you, you were you dropped your jaw at both ends of the ice, right? When he was on offense, he dropped your jaw because he'd do some stupid, ridiculous play and end up in a scoring chance. You'd be like, oh, my God, he did that. And then in the defensive zone, he'd be like, oh, my God, he did that, you know, as he was wildly out of position or, you know, got turnstiled at the blue line because he was thinking about lollipops or whatever. <laughs> I think so, yeah. always- I think Ozzy would be a perfect one for today. Yeah, Ozzy Lynch and Krupp, I think, would be the only two defensemen that could probably cut it right now. Because I'm like, LeCision, well, yeah, maybe not. I I think LeCision could. I just remember him a bit earlier in his career, early 90s. He could move. You know, he wasn't the biggest guy. He was not the most physical guy. But he was – I think he could join a rush if he did not play essentially in a dead puck time. Or in the age of the two-line pass. Yeah, I think he's his. He's one of those I think is comparable today would probably be somebody like Jake Muzzin. You know, solid wheels. Not great. Not great offensively, but does everything just well enough. That makes them a better player, yeah. you know? I, I think his entire career trajectory doesn't change, but I th- I still think he can put up a 10-year career. Minimum. 
I'm trying to think. He played six years. I was going to say he played forever. Yeah, he 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 wasn't Chelios, but it seemed like it. <laughs> Chelios, oh my god. Chelios, who probably could still play, but just decided to stop. Um, as for the forwards, Sackick, Forsberg. Um, let's see. I'm interested to see who you pick. <laughs> who I pick? Um, Le- Claude Lemieux. Because uh, he actually could skate. He wouldn't be like the fastest guy, but I think he could still skate. Um, he was nasty too. I'm looking at Dead Marsh, trying to decide if I want to like throw him in there or not. He's kind of borderline. Um, Kavalenko, probably. Uh, Owen Nolan. Eh. I think Scott Young probably could. Scott had wheels. Yeah. I agree with Kovalenko. Yeah, I, I think you hit all the names I, I would mention off that roster. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I keep looking at, at Ricci, too, Thank and you. I'm like, mm, yeah, maybe. He didn't get enough love. He didn't get not, enough love. Not in Colorado, no. No, no. Lots of love in San Jose. Did not get enough in Colorado. Correct. See, um, and I, and when you mention his name, I'm just thinking of those later, like early 2000s San Jose. And did he play in Phoenix? He did for a bit, I believe. Okay, like, I, like somewhere near the, the end. Towards the end, end of his career, I think, yeah. Because I remember him a bit from his early days when he started in Philadelphia. Um, and he, Philadelphia had a way to get some players that could put up some serious points when they were just a garbage, garbage team before uh-huh. the Lindros trade. But they could they could identify and, and let some talent play, but nothing ever came of it. The Lindros-Forsberg trade? <laughs> I love that trade so much. Trust Forsberg trade. Oh my god. <laughs> That's an entire episode. No, right? Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, That's you know, enough. you know that that Philly. I mean, you know, Forsberg did end up. Peter Forsberg did end up playing in Philly for like a season or something, but. You know, you know that like it wasn't long before Philly realized that that was a big mistake. <laughs> oh my God! I don't, I don't want to sidebar this whole conversation. Yeah, we, we'll bring it up later. Yeah. Okay, that'll be a different one. Because you got, you have to ask me about the time that I went to a Rangers and Flyers game in Philly. So let's let's mark a note. <laughs> Everyone at home who's listening, make sure you tag. This summer, we'll do it this me. summer, right? We'll do it this summer, because. <laughs> It is epic. It is, oh it oh is no, epic. I, I, because so I watched I watched Quebec play in New Jersey the year before they moved to Colorado. So I I got to see Forsberg his rookie season in Jersey. Oh, that kid. So before this becomes a Peter Forsberg loving. <laughs> it's a Peter Forsberg stand. I. I'm, I am always, my account will always be a Peter Forsberg Stan account. <laughs> always be a Peter Forsberg Stan account. 
<sighs> All right. Those eyes. Oh, God, those dreamy eyes. Anyway. Yeah, those insanely scary, like, everybody got out of his way because they were afraid he was going to go berserk on them eyes. <laughs> I know. I know. See, it was never the eyes. It was the lack of facial hair that always scared me. He is a man that needed a beard. And, well, he, well, he had one later, but... And, and once he had it, he was unstoppable. He was he was unstoppable most of the time. Anyway, okay, we really are just okay. <laughs> hi, welcome to the welcome to the Peter Forsberg Love In. <laughs> We're your hosts, Peter, Peter, and Peter. <laughs> oh God! All right. <clears throat> okay, speaking <laughs> speak, speaking of trades, the hockey men are at it again. Uh-oh. All two hundred of them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, chief among them, uh, Jim Rutherford. Well, let's let's pull uh, back the clock, my friend. Future or uh, soon to be NH or uh, Hockey Hall of Famer, Jim Rutherford. Oh yeah, <sighs> that's weird. <laughs> that's weird to say, even though I know he deserves it as Ooh, a builder. We got a deep. We got a deep uh, uh, sigh out of him. I know. <laughs> The man who never wanted to draft a defenseman early because they took too long to develop and it was cheaper to acquire them later. Who then signs Jack Johnson later, late in his career? <laughs> we have There's a summer shifted. episode for you. We've quickly shifted gears from the Peter <laughs> Love into the Jim Rutherford effigy burning. <laughs> Uh, great guy. Doesn't mind getting in a in a Kia Uber in Chicago, but uh, he's oh a good God. guy. But man, is he impatient? Our summer episodes are apparently going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, seriously, coming up on the summer specials of Three V Three podcast. A so very special episode. Today, I think I think it's fair to say we had our first real hockey trade of the off season. Uh, today being today being uh, Phil Kessel essentially was traded for uh, Alex Galchenyuk from the Arizona Arizona Coyotes. Now, like it's, it... it's it's actually a player for player trade. It's not a complete salary dub. It's not a what are you doing, Carolina, getting rid of one of your better defensemen? But it was kind of a salary dump because Pittsburgh needed more room in their salary cap. <laughs> yeah, but at least they got an actual player in return. Yeah. The, the uh, funny thing is, is they only clear like $1.2 because you got to remember Toronto was retaining on his AAV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... After this season, Galchaniak goes UFA, so it essentially opens them up beyond this year. Well, yeah, they they can see what I'm. I'm not going to say it. Yeah, I. I. Yeah. This I just this just saved the the coach's job at least an extra two months. Results pending, of course. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> so. Uh, Cassie, when uh, when did you hear of the PK Subban transaction? <laughs> <laughs> because the, this story needs you know, to be yeah, told. Just, yeah, oh, oh, well, you know, you know how it is. It's, everybody's like, 
I know what you're going to say because you were at the draft. We we all heard about it 20 minutes before it was announced at the draft, at least. It was probably closer to like 45. <laughs> keep, keep going. Keep oh, going. Oh. Was it one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep hours. Going. Hours. So, um, hours. So <laughs> we. It was probably what? Uh, about it's... 9, 9 30 Pacific time. News of the Patrick Marlowe trade had just dropped. And then. Before we got in the arena, so uh, about 9.45, uh, I think the Subban news, it wasn't, all the details weren't confirmed, but Subban to New Jersey was out there. Was it the fourth round where it was finally announced um, at the lectern? Because it's not a podium. It is a lectern. A it's a lectern. Let's see. Yeah, I was actually I was actually going to skip following the the draft for the second day, and I was out shopping, and I was in the Target parking lot looking at my phone randomly, and I saw the trade, and I'm like, well, damn, now I need to go home and pay attention. <laughs> okay, so um, it would have been it was actually would have been early into the second round. Because they announced it just before um, they got to the pick that was part of the deal. Okay, that's I and I I'm sure that's why it was delayed. Yeah, and it was but almost like well, it's no. The it, trade call was done. Both teams had announced the deal. Yes, that's just what I was looking up. Is what time that they both publicly announced them, and like the rumors had pretty much you know from Friedman and those guys had it like around nine thirty or so. The deal was posted on the Devils' Twitter at like 10 o'clock in the morning, and that's when we were sitting in the arena waiting for the 30 minutes of overture and pomp and circumstance that they needed for day two of the draft for reasons. Um, Bob McKenzie tweeted it at 12.41 Eastern. So that's 9.40. Yeah. uh, Like effect. Yeah, so that's what I was saying. It's like right around 9.30, 9.40, Friedman and, yeah. and McKenzie had it out. The teams posted it like around 10 o'clock, which means that that's official, official. The trade call has been done. And the first or the second round didn't really start in earnest until, let's say, 10.30. It was close to 10.30, yeah. So it was probably, you know, almost a good two hours after it was official that they announced the trade. And that was the only non-draft um, pick transaction no. that was announced that day. No. Wasn't wasn't the JT so Miller trade that somebody, no, uh, Miller You know Friday. what? You're right, Patrick. It was, was it? The JT Miller trade was announced. But if it weren't in Vancouver, would it have been? I'm curious. Oh, it had to have been because picks were involved. Picks were involved. Yeah. So the um, from somebody who else who was at the draft that I follow on Twitter, they just they tweeted out that they're announcing the Suban trade at the draft at two twenty Eastern. So that was an hour and forty minutes later. Yeah, almost two hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were we were in the ballpark because we were sitting there laughing. We were, oh, everybody was. It's like, you know, well, some people were like going sports in the social media era. <laughs> well, it's not even that. I mean, it was just hysterical because, uh, I mean, it would have been out on, even without social media, it would have been out on radio. 
mm-hmm. it would have probably been out on cable TV, right? Because yeah. it's two hours. And yeah, the Sportsnet B team surely had talked about it in well, that 30-minute lead-up. The NHL Network in the States surely talked about it. I, oh, yeah. As a, as a quick aside here, and I will make it quick, that wasn't the Sportsnet B team on the, on the, um, on the stage. That was the NHL Network team. Sportsnet completely packed up and left. They they were completely gone. So, yes. so that, that was, was their desk coverage. So they had two spots in the arena. That's so yes, they had EJ and Jackie Redmond down on the floor talking to picks, and then they had Brian Lawton and I forget who all Dave Reed, and I forget the other two people that were up there. I didn't get a chance to go see, but yeah, um, that was all NHL Network day too. So Sportsnet was just picking up. When both the rights holders bail, you know, you've kind of missed out on something. Eh, I think that's. I think they've been doing that for the last two years because... Um, I'm sure ratings tank day two. Oh, God, yeah. It's Saturday oh, morning. Yeah. Yeah. Who the hell's watching Saturday? I mean, even, you know... Even I mean, most... me, but I clearly don't move the needle enough. Well, you know... <laughs> for the past 20 years. But, but yet... And, and and we're gonna we're gonna go down the rabbit hole on some of the stories of the Vancouver draft now that we're here, but yet <laughs> who were the people most excited to talk to us? Literally, that were like these are the people we need to be talking to, was the guys from NHL TV. Oh God, yes. Oh, so on the concourse, um, date. No, it was still it was opening night. Yeah, it was opening. Uh, night. So Friday night. Um, Vancouver, um, let's just say, didn't uh, roll out the red carpets per se. Um, as far as fanfare and preparation, it seemed like uh, they were limited to what they could do within the scope of the arena. Uh, the past two drafts I had been to, there had been larger kind of fan fests and activities throughout, let's say, uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, in, around in the parking lots around the arenas, I so will, every everything was kind of hidden in certain pockets of the uh, concourses. I will interject here and say that Vancouver's arena is in a place that is not conducive to that kind of stuff happening. Correct. Yeah, not okay. at all. <laughs> the, and the space that they could have used, uh, the the NHL could not take over because of correct. Uh, other events happening in the air. Correct. But there you know the, what? There was the it Dragon Ball Festival, yeah. Yes, which was actually quite entertaining. Yes, it uh, was. So, so yeah. um, sorry. So I believe it was you and uh, our good friend Karen Douglas who uh, ran into the table first. Um, no. It no? Was, it was the social singularity. as I like ah. ah, that this, guy. Mr. Michael Flanagan, who is literally the singularity at the center of a social black hole, and not in a black hole like no social happens around him. It's when you cross the event horizon of Mike, you are now part of Mike's social group. And he he just pulls you in. He has a gravitational pull. He does. He does. uh, Michael Flanagan, uh, co-host of the Cheaters Never Win podcast, uh, the Section 328 podcast covering the Carolina Hurricanes which I may or may not have something to do with, depending on the week. Well, we're not Bell, and they're not Roger, so it's okay. Yes. So, anywho. So, yes, Michael ran into him first, and then he and Tom 
and I believe started taking their little survey first, and then I approached the table and basically said, you know what drives me nuts more than anything? And these guys were like, what? Um, that we can't have, you know, we have to pay two subscriptions. And they and, and the guys at the table from NHL TV or now whatever, Mablam or whatever, um, looked at me and went, no, you don't. And they started talking to me for a little bit, and they were like, do you want to take a survey? And and one of the guys handed me the iPad. They've got this survey on. This says, if you take this full survey, I'll get you a year free of NHL TV. And oh, by the way, I'm going to email you personally and let you know how you can how you can connect your Center Ice subscription to your NHL TV subscription. We'll take care of all this. And he says, and plus, we've got some follow-up questions for you guys. Because between myself, Pat, Mike, Tom, and even Karen, we're all grousing about features because mm-hmm. they were there demoing new features that are coming to NHL TV. And what they did have there to demo actually looked pretty interesting. Yes, like, like I would actually use that. It's not, I'm not just saying that to give you lip service to get my free, whatever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They were, they were flummoxed by me. So did they for, fix it for you? Not well. Um, yeah. So they, the, the guy actually did email me and say, hey, you know, the first thing he said out actually was funny. He goes, oh, cancel your NHL TV account because I told him I've been subscribing to Center Ice on DirecTV since like 1994 when I first got DirecTV. Mm-hmm. And they were their their eyes kind of went like dinner plates, like, oh, my God, you know, this is our target market type. You know, <laughs> this is an alpha consumer. And I'm, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um and so they handed me the little survey thing, and the first thing on there is, what's your favorite team? And I'm like, I can't answer this. <laughs> I'm like, you literally have no way for me to go past the first question. I can't literally answer this. I don't have a favorite team. Right. And they're like, why? And so I told them, and the three of them kind of looked at each other, looked back at me, and they're all like, these are the exact people we need to be talking to. <laughs> You know, they've got yeah. Mike, they've got Mike and Tom and Pat over here complaining about certain features and this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. They've got me standing over here, you know, who's not in a hockey market today, you know, until any, until they announce a franchise name, which we can get to later. Um, you know, who's been a hockey fanatic for his entire life. And all of us are just like, ah, they sat there and talked to us for probably about five, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Easily just like, you know, writing down notes and having us put emails down and put little marks by our email addresses, you know, little notes from them saying follow up with follow up with. So and true to their word, they have already followed up with me. So. Yeah. Yeah. So they were I mean, so the, people should be thanking you next season when everything is all fixed, right? So well, not only when everything is fixed. Air quotes. But when a certain in-demand feature, at least from our crowd, um, finally debuts. Which, to their credit, what did they say about this in-demand feature? It's It's been on their feature list for quite a while. And yes. It's, coming, it's, it's on their... Um, rele- uh, it's on their feature release schedule. Yes. And I think having market data to back it up is going to push it up the chain. Especially and... when you're talking about, so their eyes, Cassie, really gl- really lit up when they heard three guys from North Carolina came to Vancouver. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Just because I'm sure I am one of 10. 
yeah, less than 100 subscribers in our metropolitan area mm -hmm. for their product. But, you know, I've been a day one user of NHL.TV and its predecessor, uh, Game Setter Live. Um, I think I think we're getting our ambient sound broadcast. <gasps> really? Yes. I think it's coming. Yes. It may not debut in August or uh, September and October, but I we're getting it this season. I I I, I wouldn't say this season. Um, uh, they made it. Developers. They made it sound a little waffly, but they're like you know we hear that constantly. So and, yeah. You know, so they, I only heard the first part where it's. It's on the release schedule for this year, but we might not get it right. before January 2020. Right. That's what. So I, I, in my mind, I was thinking maybe for the playoffs, maybe for opening round, maybe, 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 maybe. yeah. They'll probably test it, quote unquote, test it for the All Star game, which is not their feed. Oh, right. You're right. That's rights holders' feeds. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, so yeah. this, it would be something exclusive to the local broadcasts, um, of which I don't have any currently. So yay me, lucky. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you know what? what? I might I might have to move out out of Seattle when Seattle does get into the league, just so I can go back to not having you know blackout and all that kind of crap. Well, you'll have to find that that you know specific uh, dot between all the Venn diagrams. The the, the magical nice. VPN. I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to live in Montana or Wyoming because Seattle will eat up. Okay, okay. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Seattle will eat up like the entire <laughs> Pacific Northwest. No, it's Well, so when the Thrashers moved to Atlanta or to Winnipeg. The way the Atlanta broadcast region was divvied up was kind of it. It was throwing, you know, chum to sharks. It was kind of ridiculous how quickly two local Fox Sports affiliates just kind of gnawed at the remains uh, to the point where you know Carolina grabbed a small, basically took over all of South Carolina. Ten, or the Predators were able to grab quite a bit of uh, Georgia. And, I mean, neither of these markets are, are you know, ratings bonanzas for, you know, regional. And Tampa did nothing because they don't care about anybody outside of the city of Tampa. <laughs> that's that's a beef of mine. I'm sorry. Go on. That's okay. Well, have you been to Jacksonville? Huh? Have you been to Jacksonville? There's yes. certain there's certain markets you should just kind of leave alone. Well, no, so but Tampa doesn't. So I lived in Tallahassee for a little while before I moved to Clearwater, which is a burb of Tampa. Quite familiar. And and uh, they didn't really do anything with Tallahassee. And you know, of course, it's below. It's south of georgia so the thrashers didn't do anything there either but this the tampa bay lightning really don't market i mean maybe occasionally they'll go out to orlando maybe but basically they just stick with the tampa bay area the actual bay they stuck in hillsborough county and they stuck in uh 
you know, basically St. Pete, and that's it. Right, and so Pinellas. And so, um, you know, and having grown up in the Pacific Northwest where I would go to Mariners games and I'd be sitting next to people who drove from Montana to come watch a baseball game. I'm like, what the heck are you people doing down here? Um, You've got all of Northern Florida and Southern Georgia and out, you know, parts of Southern Alabama. And what are you doing? Oh, I thought you were talking about the people from Montana. I'm like, I can tell you what they're doing there. No, no, I know. Not, not I know. being in Montana. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. But um, no, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they just, they don't care. As long as they're, as long as their arena is full and as long as they're getting the local market, which is, you know, Hillsborough and, and uh, Pinellas and whatever Bradenton's in or the one below Hillsborough um, County, they don't care. They don't care about the rest of Florida. They don't care about, you know, extending their reach and extending their fan base and their market or anything. They're just, they're small fish in a small pond and they're perfectly okay with that. Well, that's the same thing as in San Jose. They don't don't advertise outside the city limits effectively. Yes. Even though San Jose started out in San Francisco for a couple of years. About the cow palace. Um, <laughs> so, um, but Seattle, go on. Yes. No, I was actually I was going back to the draft. Yeah, draft then. The drafty. So, um, I I believe night one, and I got some inside scoop on some certain things. So I knew certain things were going to happen before they happened. Um, specifically Batman being booed and then playing the heel and then going back behind the the curtain effectively and grabbing the Sedin twins to get the crowd back on his side. Wizard been, of Oz. I had been told that was going to happen earlier in the day. I was somewhat sworn to secrecy about who it was, but not that it was going to happen. But um, but you did try and, you know... I tried misdirection. Point me in a different direction. I did. I did try misdirection, and I, I have... Um, once again, um, sullied my desire to become a magician because I don't have any misdirection capabilities. Um, <laughs> you you had me think it was Marcus Naslin for a bit. I'm uh, not gonna lie, because because okay, okay. I thought you you were throwing me off the twenty two and twenty or thirty three cent. Okay, good, because it was actually thirty three and twenty two that came out. That's yeah. kind of why I did that. Um, <clears throat> I had also heard that some deals. Um, notably the P.K. Subban deal um, were hot and heavy and were probably likely done Friday but (laughs) this is is where it starts getting into you know airing dirty laundry and such Um, the reason part of the reason why nothing really happened Friday night was supposedly and I'm going to put a big, huge asterisk on this. I'm not telling you what I know. I'm just telling you what I heard. Um, not that there was not that there was any collusion, but GMs mm-hmm. were not about ready to. GMs and teams were not about ready to let Gary have a little more fun on their dime when they hadn't announced the salary cap yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> and. 
given that we already mentioned that the national broadcasters packed up and left for day two, uh-huh. well, then, you know, you got to get your business done at some point. Right. And and you notice when and I say that and you kind of go back and you notice when the PK Subban trade was announced by the teams. It was before the draft even started on the second day. Mm-hmm. So, right. So, um, you know, there's there might be some traction to that. I don't know if it was full tilt collusion or if it was just, you know, the three or four GMs who were working on deals like JT Miller and PK Subban were not going to let it be broadcast as part of Gary's big dog and pony show in his ratings and, you know, the big the big tent type broadcast. I'm neither confirming nor denying that. <clears throat> I cannot recall, Senator. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even even without any trades happening, I've seen more exciting wallpapering demos. <laughs> yeah, night Friday night was very much a game of chicken on the floor. There were guys moving around from table to table, but yeah, we didn't even, we didn't even have the, Oh, you know, what's Steve doing? You know, what's Iserman doing down there? You know, Oh my God, what's Zach? You know, we didn't even have that. No, we, we did we... on Twitter. We had a little bit of that on Twitter, but it was did mostly you... the, it was mostly the, um, you know, if I were these guys, I'd be sitting there like talking to each other and being secretive just for the show, you know, just a show for it. <laughs> well, but yeah, there was there was a little bit of it, but not much. Given the amount of movement we saw out of David Poyle and um, and Kyle Dubas, we figured they were playing Fortnite against each other on their yeah, phones. Seriously, or or they were campaigning together. I don't know. I've never played the game, but they were doing something. Words with friends, even you know. Yeah, I was I was saying, you know, maybe they should start a rousing game of, of rock, paper, scissors. It kind of felt like that's a little bit what they were doing. Yeah. And then they were, you know, and it was sort of not just rock, paper, scissors, but it was the GM was getting input from everyone, you know, all 55 people around the table on mm-hmm. whether they should throw down rock or paper or scissors. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. Now, this would actually lay... Cred, uh, credence to what you heard, Patrick, and I do want to emphasize what you heard, <laughs> how, uh, you know, everyone was waiting for day two, because traditionally somewhere around the fifth round, certain people at each table start to pack up and head out for the day. They kind of let, the he- you know, head of a- amateur scouting, director of player personnel kind of take over and the draft tables whittle down to four or five people. Mm-hmm. Not this year, where you're still seeing owners and GMs at the table, you know, going into round seven. Well, it, it was it was it, it was kind of bizarre compared to previous experiences in the in the building day two. Yeah, I mean, I just from a from watching it from a broadcast perspective, I noticed there was a lot more humanity on the floor as it got past like the fifth round and because I don't, not to get like, you know, process story or anything, but um, 
for those listening who don't know, the second day of the draft, who have never been or don't know, the second day of the draft, they do a roll call, and then part of the roll call is you announce who is authorized to make draft picks for your team, and it's usually two people. And as Pat said, it's usually like your director of amateur scouting and player personnel. But your GMs and presidents and all those other people will still at the tables so that you know they can wheel and deal up to a certain point, and then they can pack up and bail mm-hmm. by the fifth round because they can just leave you know the director of amateur scouting and player personnel there to finish out making the picks. Well, there was quite a few teams that left their GM as part of the official duo, which was hmm. which was interesting. So that means that they were there, they had to be there at least until the seventh round. So that kind of led, you know, us to sort of going, huh, you know, and then as Pat noted, you know, a lot of people were still there sort of milling around and you saw, you know, little huddles every once in a while. And you expected some deals to come down, but I don't know if there was still some fallout because as we all know today, the cap wasn't announced until literally the moment after the draft ended. Mm-hmm. So maybe the maybe they were told that they had to stay for the entire thing. I I, I doubt that. I doubt you heard because that kind of there cap. were yeah, literally I mean, people with luggage ready to roll out of the building. So just, just sitting there on the floor. From but, where we were sitting, it was pretty clear Tom Dundon's carry-on bag was right behind him. He, <laughs> he just had one text message to, to make to make sure the jet was fueled, I'm sure. Let me know when it's fueled. What do you mean it's Canadian? It's going to take a while, you know. What do you mean the prices in liters? <laughs> How do I do that math in my head? It's four gallons per liter? What the hell? Or four liters per gallon. God, I, that's twice I've done that. Could have been worse. Tom could have been stuck at the border like I was for two and a half hours. God. That just sucks. I, I spent five minutes in customs. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. So if I, I'd seen would, your tweet earlier, I would have said go to, go to Lyndon uh, uh, Aldergrove. call was <laughs> not worth it. But well, I'm sure that 3 a.m. wake-up call was not worth it. Um, Cassie? <laughs> oh, I, I, I was just saying if I'd seen your tweet earlier, I would have said go to Lyndon Aldergrove. Um, guess what? Wouldn't mm. have helped. Because, was it just as bad there? Yes, because, you know, okay, minutia again. For those that don't know, I crossed at the Pacific Truck Crossing in, in Blaine, technically, which is east of Peace Arch Park is the border crossing. And there is an outlet point that you can turn off from sitting in line and you can get on a street and the streets literally called zero Avenue. Mm-hmm. Been on it a few times. And it runs, it runs the border of Washington and British Columbia, which means you can pick up just about any of the border crossings there. So as I was sitting there, just before I got up to that point, Cassie, I, mm-hmm. I zoomed in on my little traffic map and the amount of black, at those border crossings <laughs> was almost equal. Uh, that sucks. Yeah, and they're they have fewer people. And I mean, yep. Sumas Abbotsford isn't worth it. That's just way too far That's out of way your way. Too far east, yes. Yeah, 
But yeah, I might as well be going over to you know the Okanagan and heading down to Spokane. Well, I mean, you could you could take nine down, but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. uh, Linden Alder Linden Aldergrove is as far east as you want to go. Yes. But yeah, that's too bad. Everybody yeah. coming back from the draft. Nope. All yep. Canadian. You know, it was it was a ratio of one hundred to one, Canadian plates to U.S. plates. Oh, that time of day. Yep. So anyway. Yeah. So Got um, it. day two, day two was more entertaining because it was general admission. Somewhat, and I say that somewhat, they still wouldn't let you down in the hundreds, even though they sold seats for the hundreds, which was like whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so we got to hang out and just sort of shoot the breeze and, and, you know, scuttlebutt and just meander around and sort of experience and catch up with some friends and stuff. So, um, I, uh, you know, I think it had something to do with Vancouver's in game presentation because man, that first night was just whatever. The, the audio was brutal. The video was lackluster. I mean, they had, they had dead, Pixels, for lack of a better term, because it's 9.45 on the East Coast, uh, and I can't <laughs> think of the proper term. But, I mean, parts of their video board were literally dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, I would say after the fourth overall pick, um, where um, local Vancouver Giants uh, favorite, um, number 44, your programs number one in your hearts <laughs> and i always mess up his first name is it i'm not i'm not bailing you out go for it no it's <sighs> i'm gonna mess it up and i don't want to pick i am talking about colorado's pick fourth overall yes is it is it bowen bowen yes. byram thank yes. you okay bowen byram damn I knew it wasn't Brian, but I just yes. Yeah, that prompted a, a fury of, of people on Twitter, uh, Colorado fans, going, "Oh well, yeah, there's a veteran whose number is 44 on Colorado, Mark Barbario. He's gonna have to give up his number." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> That's assuming guys... Mark's still there when Bowen gets there. Seriously, right? Because I mean, Bowen's probably gonna be out for like another year. Yeah, I I think the only two things, um, the only two things that really sort of you know there was, I re okay I'm gonna say this Ray Shiro really killed any excitement that there was oh, that pick God, yes. by droning on and on and on before announcing Martin Brodeur who then announced the pick. Mm -hmm. I mean we were sitting in a section of people that were literally started screaming at him, make the pick, you right. know, because he just kept droning. And I think that started everything off on the wrong foot. And then the gasps and shock of Chicago's pick of Doc mm -hmm. were kind of like the first, oh, my God, somebody kind of went off the board a little bit. But I think the one that sent everyone like into, oh, my God, what the hell are they doing? And at least brought some energy was obviously Detroit's pick. 
Oh, yeah, because Iserman went off the board. Went com- not off the board. I mean, you know, by oh, yeah, all intent went. purposes, he went, then, went off the map. And then there were, there were people on Twitter who were like, so is this where we find out that Iserman's, like, masterly uh, managing of Tampa was actually really Brisebois <laughs> reining him in? <laughs> to which I'd actually say no, because from, I don't know about you, Pat, but from what I heard in a lot of scuttlebutt afterwards is that they've had their eye on this kid for quite some time. And it's not about what he can do today so much. It's about what they see his ceiling as. Yeah. And on the night of everyone makes the Mark, uh, Mark Jankowski, the uh, Calgary draft pick. Yeah. Was drafted out of Minnesota high school hockey comparison because oh here's kind of an off the board but there was rumors that arizona was going to get that was also targeting him yeah so given how only arizona was willing to move their pick at any given point in time in the first round uh it made complete sense to just go and grab your guy yeah i mean there was some talk boards be damned yeah there was some talk about you know if if that's who they wanted why didn't they you know trade down to get him and get some more assets. And and there were some people that fired back of, he was a lot higher on other people's draft boards than you might expect. So there was no guarantee that he would be there. Right. So I mean, man, man, that kid's reaction on the screen when he's standing up was awesome. And then hearing his interviews after he just sounded energized and jacked and, like a kid that had taken a, a couple Red Bulls, but it was pure <laughs> adrenaline at this point. Well, he had the look of a kid who was like, ah, I'm going to go probably 28th or 29th. Oh, my God! You know, that kind of look. <laughs> yeah, he did not. He looked like he was not going to go in the first round. He did not expect to go in the first round. Yeah, and, uh, you know, after that, there was... I guess it shouldn't be surprising, but when Vancouver took, um, speaking of players whose names I can't remember or pronounce uh, <laughs> in the first round. You're going to make me look up the, the, the last draft, aren't you? No. Darn I, you. No. All, right. All right. His name was Pocolson. Uh, Pocolson. I had to look at the spelling so I'd make sure I could almost say it phonetically, in at least in English. <laughs> um, you know, they took the off the player or off the board, quote unquote, player because everyone's worried about you know whether he's going to play in North America anytime uh, soon. Right? Yeah, he was the he, first Russian guy taken. Yeah, and at. Like NHL entry-level contracts, uh, any player signed to a KHL contract must play for three years. Uh, You will not be released or be willing to pay a lot of money, more than probably the cost of the full uh, three years is to the player in NHL terms. Yeah, I, I only, like, stuck around for, I think I, I 
went to bed at like round around like the 20th pick because I was just like oh god there's still like a third of the teams haven't picked yet or a third of the picks haven't been done yet and I'm like I, I'm done with this and you made a wise decision <laughs> <laughs> yeah you and half the arena because <laughs> I think we were all like oh my god we're only at picks 20 there's still 11 more to go <laughs> yeah I, I was like I did that exact same thing and then I thought to myself my second thought was thank God, we're no longer doing eleven rounds of the draft. <laughs> or, or the old, or the really old draft days where they just continue to have rounds until until everyone decided to stop making picks. Yeah, I and mean, so we and so we end up with what pick, Pat? What do we have? Two seventeen. Oh, no, what no, was no. the late? No. Oh, when we uh, ended up, you know, when they when they would go until they stopped making draft picks, we ended up with what famous pick? Oh. From the Katanas. <laughs> oh, uh, Tara. Once yep. again, I can't pronounce his name because <laughs> I'm a dumb Irishman. Uh, Tara tu, uh, Tajimona? Uh, close enough for good. Close enough. I mean, I know the Buffalo Sabres pick. Right? Yes. Yes. Tara Fujimoto pick. Yes. I wouldn't mind a few more rounds, but one of the interesting things was uh, I would have rather have seen these teams have uh, only a minute on the clock as opposed yeah. to three minutes. Like, usually I thought it tapered down, but I don't uh, – that seemed to be out of character because I thought it used to be two minutes. As do I. I felt it was like a minute – uh, two minutes for the second round, and then they dropped it down to a minute, a minute and a half for later rounds. And then watching so many of these teams run the clock. That's, yeah, that's that another thing that drove me stupid. nuts. And, and yeah. it was only because they were trading back. Well, not even, no. <laughs> that's the first round. Thing. First round, <laughs> yeah, when they first, were, weren't trading yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, even later rounds, though, Pat, is some of them had still run the clock down. And then there was a couple of times, I think it was Arizona and Nashville, that ran it down, and the director of amateur scouting for the yes. NHL had to had to go. Are you using your timeout? And the team would be like, "Yes." And then they get a five minute timeout just to finish the transaction. Right, we're like in the fourth round or the fifth round, and you've had three minutes, and now you need another five. And in the marvel of modern technology, there's still a person from Central Scouting and from Central Registry who is walking from the, if you're staring at the stage, from the stage left, <laughs> all the way to the draft tables. And it doesn't matter if you are, and the draft tables are arranged based on uh, final rankings, based on draft rankings. So, you know, the team's picking 30, uh, 31 to 28 or sitting in the final row. There is someone walking all the way back to you instead of you go to them because you have runners people at your table. You've got extra kids that can just run a piece of paper up. And then oh, but, not to mention a telephone. Yeah. Or you could just, you know, buzz them. And well, that's, could... I mean, that's the thing is they call up front, right? They phone their pick in because off to behind the lectern is, you know, basically they've got a panel of like six people that you phone the pick in and then they pull it up to see if the pick is available and, you know, eligible to be picked, you know, cause they're, 
there's the whole thing with, I forget who it was, kept trying to draft Alex Ovechkin for a number of years, and they kept being told he wasn't eligible. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to call up to them, and then they scribble it down and hand it to the person who's going up to announce the pick to the audience. So, hi? <laughs> You've got a phone line? It just sounds so archaic, you know? It's like... It's the NHL. I know. I know it is, but it, it, you're still... It... Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, the first round makes sense where, you know, they're being held for TV and... It's pomp. It's it's making the... Yeah. Oh, it's it's the Friday night, you know? We've got, we've got broadcast time. We've got primetime broadcast time. That's the key, right? Prime time, because mm-hmm. we're, we're still under that model of 8 o'clock. It's prime time. Mm-hmm. It's when the advertising rates are the highest. So let's put on a big shindig. And mm-hmm. that's what we get. And let's be honest, I, I'm trying to dig up uh, the exact thread, but John Conway, NHL history girl, did make mention prior to last Friday about the... Um, Ottawa Senators expansion draft. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I, where, I was reading that. Where they, you know, they come in ready and prepared and have a list of names, and then they're handed, the team is handed an envelope prior to the proceedings, <laughs> which they did not open, which turned out to be the final list of eligible players that they could uh-huh. select. Sure enough, as Ottawa was trying to go through the proceedings, the amount of times they had to apologize for teams because they didn't know was embarrassing. Uh, mm-hmm. so I'm not that... sure who it was embarrassing for, though. Because if that's a way to start your franchise, look where they've ended, right? <laughs> Foreshadowing <laughs> and all of that, right? Exactly. <laughs> 2006, or 2006 and 7 is such a long time ago for those fans. Hey, you know what? Every blind squirrel find a blind squirrel finds a nut. You yeah. Know? I mean, even San Jose's made it to the Stanley Cup final once. 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 <laughs> they still made it though, especially you know, which is a feat considering what two or three seasons before that they um, lost in the first round in Game Seven after being up three games to nothing to LA. <laughs> you know what? It's you got to go through the hard times before you can go through the harder times. <laughs> and heck, most franchises have won a playoff round since the lockout in 04-05, so. And the last franchise that hasn't won a round won a round. Do you know it, Cassie? Uh, mine just went blank. <laughs> no, tell us, please. It was the Florida Panthers. The Panthers. They last won around in the uh, 0506, or uh, excuse me, 95-96 season when uh, when they won the Eastern Conference Final. That was their franchise's last playoff victory. Mm. <laughs> now I, I believe it was Patrick. You brought that question up uh, while we were in Vancouver. One of many trivia questions that <laughs> I somehow was looked at to answer, and I, I think I'd be a baseball Hall of Famer based on my answer rate. I think. Yes. Yes. 
Yes, you were you were one for three. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it didn't involve uh, pronunciate or enunciating uh, player name, so I was. I would. Chance. I never. I never do pronunciation guides on on players' names unless it's with a couple of people that host one of the sharks podcasts that I like to rag on for doing it. Because I'm like, you guys listen to Randy Hahn, who is literally one of the best in the business, and and always, you know, the the guy used to do cold reads of the Safeway score and win type contests mm-hmm. of some of the most screwed up names you could possibly imagine. And I say screwed up, not in a derogatory or demeaning sense, but not, you know, as not as intuitive, North, <laughs> not intuitive as a North American, you would not expect to be able to pronounce these names sort of flat on the ground, you know, having a cold read foot put in front of you and he just land them. So hockey names were nothing for him, and yet these guys listen to this guy constantly and still, you know, do you just tune out when he's talking about the other team and only listen when for Vlasic and, you know, mm-hmm. Fortin and those guys? And then I would have to stop myself and go, no, because they still don't know how to pronounce some of their own guys' names. I kid. <laughs> I love him to death, and I it's it's become a running joke with him. So I, I don't I don't get on anyone for pronunciation stuff. I just like to do it to them because it's funny. And as we know, I am what was I called an aggressive encourager. Enabler. <laughs> no, no, I'm a, I'm an aggressive encourager. <laughs> I will aggressively encourage you to correct things. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> Shut up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as you can tell, we had some fun times in Vancouver. Which is good because you know yeah. the draft was dreadfully boring. Yeah, so you it, had to it, entertain yourself somehow. <laughs> oh, and that was real hard, real hard. Oh, it was, it was. Oh God, especially with no Uber or Lyft, right? You know, oh, how, how archaic yeah, right. that you had to actually have call a cab. Well, I will say it did take a while once you called one. It took you about the same time as for an Uber or Lyft guy to show up. Yeah. This is what befuddles me. Yeah. In Seattle, we have no taxi cabs. True or false, Cassie? False. I mean, not, I'm saying none <laughs> as in comparison to New York City. Manhattan. Oh, okay. I right? see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, by, yeah. By volume, you know, what's the frequency you would see a taxi cab drive by you on a street in Seattle? I know right. one every five, ten minutes or something. If that, right? Yeah. Right. So Vancouver is not that way. No. They're constantly around. I will say peak time. You you definitely had to make a call. Um, oh sure. After uh, after day two, trying to, we ended up going to another event uh, later that evening, and it took us half an hour just to hail a cab, get oh, get one to come out. But see, this is you know, this is you guys' problem. You should have walked up to my hotel, which is like one click away. I literally walked down to the front and I said, hey, can you guys get me a cab? They went around the corner because that's where they're all queued up because I was at a hotel. See, you were at a hotel as opposed <laughs> then, to the building right across the street from the arena. So, Well, you know, that's what you rent when you rent someone's in, someone else's house and expect someone else to drive you around in their car. Me, I go and rent a hotel and get a taxi. You're so old school, Patrick. I really am. You know what? You're I, so I, old hey, school. We we ended up at the same place later that evening. It all worked uh, out. 
God, did we ever. And that will be the next episode. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, the next draft is in Montreal. Yeah, I don't think it will yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I am budgeting, but we'll, we will see. Actually, let me back up. I don't think my liver will be able to make that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done the all-star game. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> see, I'm, I'm not worried about that aspect. The problem is the proximity to Ontario for me. Because as is, we booked a Airbnb or whatever service we use. I don't remember at this point. Back in November of 2018. Oh, I see what you're saying. In Vancouver. And sure enough, we got a call two weeks later. It says, oh, yeah, we can't do this. We found out what weekend that is. Luckily, it took about another week, and we were able to book another place. But we made sure we we booked out far enough ahead of time. And part of me kind of wants to drive over the border. Ah. Uh, uh, and I'm not sure if that's in my best interest or not. Um, probably going in, it is. Probably coming out, it's not. Because as, as I'll tell you, driving across the borders, getting back into the U.S., not a fun thing. It, it I depends remember. on the time of day, depends on what's going on, yeah. depends on, depends on where you're at. So it depends like, on how many license plates say, you know, Ontario, uh, US state Quebec, versus yeah. say Canadian province. And I'll say I'll I'll even say I remember going back as a kid crossing the border into Ontario. Um always a breeze. Coming back into New York State, always a pain. Mm-hmm. It it really depends too on on what border cross you're going to because yes. like you know Vancouver and Seattle there's a lot of traffic that goes back and forth between those two cities so there's a lot of like crowds at the border depending on the time of day and what's going on but like if in Montreal the next closest U S city is what Plattsburgh yeah pretty much see I mean, yeah. I, you know, Albany is another like two and a half hours away from that. And then New York City is like way far away. So people from New York City are going to fly. They're not going to drive. Yeah, I, I thought of flying into Vermont um, just because it's nicer than flying into Albany. <laughs> let's be honest. And then kind of driving up, you know, across the Vermont border instead of Plattsburgh. Okay, before this turns into to our travel show. <laughs> Because I think we're, I think I think we've had it's, enough. It's how do you border. cross the border? Right. <laughs> Welcome to border crossings with Pat, Patrick and Cassie. It's a public <laughs> service. <laughs> These aren't local jokes. <laughs> well, we're gonna know, Rick, so... we're gonna Rick Steves ourselves and you know say you know or Rudy Maxer or one of those other travel guides and say here are the best border crossing times. <laughs> yeah, the times here are the best. Border crossings, the and best if you, cars, <laughs> the best the best rental cars to use with yeah, U.S. plates, the best way to answer. Um, and, and you do it by boat. Can you do it by? <laughs> How is is it better by train? Is it better by plane? By plane? Is it better by car? <laughs> it's better by boat. No, so, just Patrick, to go back to, to uh, something that you had mentioned in passing. You said something about about uh, the Seattle NHL team that you're yes. going to 
uh, get to later. Well, now it's later. Tell us. So that later, that later is. <laughs> late enough. That later is late enough. Um, you know what? I think I'm going to leave that as the cliffhanger for okay. next episode. Aww. Because I can almost guarantee you what I'm <laughs> what I'm going to expand upon will not have happened between now and then, <laughs> the next time we record. All I, all I can say is there's a little bit of entitlement. Oh, I know where you are going with this, I feel. Yes. So and instead of having a question this week, as as I think we can now kind of unofficially claim the NHL season is over. Mm-hmm. Yes. I will. Let's have a season cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's not, and it's not who shot Jr. It's what's Patrick going to tell you about what happened with the Seattle franchise <laughs> in Vancouver? Follow us on Twitter at Three B Three Podcast. This has been the Three B Three Podcast, sponsored by Nobody. <laughs>